for half a century, WJPZ Syracuse has been the greatest media classroom on the planet. We've trained students from the 1970s to the 2020s on how to run a professional radio station. But the lessons learned and relationships formed go far beyond studios and transmitters. Taking a look back through the eyes of those who experienced it. This is WJPZ at 50. Welcome to WJPZ at 50. I am John Jagay. One of the cool things about doing this podcast is reconnecting with names that maybe aren't at the banquet every year, but are cool to just have conversations with and learn about their backstories. Today, I'm actually joined by a classmate of mine. That's Bernie Kim from the class of 2002. Welcome, Bernie. John, it's so glad you hit me up. When I saw your message to uh, to come on, it was awesome. Very, very uh, honored to be on here with you. Well, thanks. We're going to be more than just two ships passing in the night on Facebook and LinkedIn now and, and <laughs> seeing what each other's up to and get the whole story for you. Tell me how you ended up at Syracuse and at WJPZ. Much like probably you and many of the other people that went to Syracuse wanted to be getting into broadcasting. I think when I first applied to Syracuse, I, I just wanted to be a local sportscaster. Yep. You know, just give the nightly news, sports updates. And, uh, you know, Syracuse obviously went to the top of the list when you wanted to get into broadcasting. And then uh, once I was there, I always thought there was something really cool about college radio. When my brother was in school, I remember one of his buddies was like a DJ. It was more of a freeform format but was doing college radio and I thought it was the coolest thing to, to listen to him on the radio. And so, you know, I just found my way to Z89 and uh, it was great. A lot of fun. What did you do at the station while you were there? Like most people just started with, uh, I think, what did we have? Like three hour, four hour shit. What, what were they? Depending on the time of the year, it's like three or four, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was strange. For some reason, I was sh- decided to shadow at like midnight. I have no idea why I decided to do that. Uh, that was a poor decision. <laughs> whoever I shattered, I decided to do it at like midnight and then took over those overnight shifts where it's just a beast. Got into the sports department a little bit, but it was really, at that point, really interested in doing the morning show. And so junior or sophomore year, I got my own Z Morning Zoo show. I think I had like a Tuesday show, but yeah, I really wanted to do the zoo. So I did the zoo for like a year and then another semester. Who did you do the zoo with? Were you who your co-hosts were? I did it with, uh, with Jared Fialco. Yep. I think I did a little with Marty. Have you talked to Marty, by the way? Yes. Marty actually did the illustration for the podcast. He did the artwork. I probably did an entire semester or maybe a year with Marty before I got my own show. That was a, a blast. I mean, you know, working with him, he's such a goofball. So that was a lot of fun. Tell me about your career after JPZ. So you did sports, you did the morning show, did a little bit of on-air on the music side too, and you've made quite a career for yourself on the sports side. Again, I've only seen like clips on social media, but take me inside your journey starting graduating Syracuse in 02. Totally, totally. So when I was done, I started sending out tapes. I think I was like a finalist, maybe like top two or three for, for some job after several months of sending out tapes. Didn't work out. I was very like disappointed. I was like frustrated. And I said, you know what? Forget this. I'm going to just drive out to LA and see what happens. Wow. I'd always wanted to work for the show, Best Damn Sports Show, period. Yep. Because uh, it was like a, a mix of sports and comedy, super entertaining. It was just felt like the perfect fit for me. Mm-hmm. When I moved out to LA, you know, bring up Marty again. And I was just searching for people in LA, Fox Sports. And then Marty told me about this Syracuse alumni directory, the bigger one. And that actually helped get me open some doors. Like I found some names that started cold emailing people. And eventually I got connected to one guy who was actually a WJPZ alum named Jason Cahill. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of said, hey, I'm a fellow Z89er. 
and that kind of helped open the door. And he and I have been friends ever since. And he hired me to work for Best Damn Sports Show. I think I started in 03 there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I've been pretty much at Fox the entire time. Uh, I left a couple times. I worked for another show called ESPN Hollywood. I worked for uh, the show Big Brother on CBS. But pretty much for the last 13 years, I've been back at Fox Sports in, in some capacity. And uh, in the last 13 or so, working for the NFL studio show, studio production for all kinds of Fox Sports stuff. I've gotten to do some baseball, some NASCAR here and there, but predominantly football stuff. We got a lot of sports to cover today, so let me be equal opportunity here. Before we get to the sports stuff, what'd you do over at Big Brother? I, <laughs> so through another Syracuse connection, <laughs> I met this guy. His name is uh, Michael Sullivan. He does a lot of competition for all kinds of reality shows. He's now an EP of several reality shows. And uh, so I helped create, I don't know if you've ever watched the show, but it's on like three times a week and there's all kinds of competitions. So I worked on creating those competitions. And then within our department, one person is the lead. You work with the art department to conceptualize and make it all happen. So all these goofy, wild things that the house guests do on Big Brother, I, I help build those. So the creativity piece has been really strong for you in your career in all of these different gigs. And I've got to imagine some of that traces back to JPZ and doing news, sports, and morning show all at the same time, basically. Oh, yeah. I think that Z89, certainly the morning show when you had a little bit more flexibility to do some creativity. I definitely tried out some comedy bits then to see what worked. And, you know, it was a lot of fun to just try out things. Back then we were doing like silly parody songs all the time. Like, I don't know if it still exists somewhere, but we did, we did several parody songs, one of which being, it was a parody to DMX's Party Up, and we called it Potty Up, and it was all about taking a dump, which is, uh, <laughs> I don't know how that flew, but it did. It was pretty gross, but uh, it aired several times, and it made us laugh a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I got, definitely got to test out some comedy chops on air, for sure. For better or worse. So after Best Damn Sports Show, you end up over at uh, Fox doing all kinds of NFL and sports stuff. Take me uh, inside those roles and what you're doing there and, and the creativity and the segments and all the stuff you're doing over there or have been throughout your career. Yeah, so the typical week, like we're, we're in the heart of NFL season. So the typical week is, you know, our big day is on Sunday, obviously. We're, we're in studio on Sunday. But then once the weekends, we're starting up on Monday again. We're trying to think of ideas for the next week. So basically I'm ideating right now. We've gotten to a place where I have a team of a, a couple guys and, and then a few extra freelance writers. And we're just coming up with ideas, trying to get, you know, a couple comedy skits on air uh, every weekend. What's funny in football, what are football fans thinking about? What's goofy that happened? What's interesting on the schedule that's going to happen? And so we just try to take a comedic take on that. We just really try to have our fingers on the pulse of what's going on in football and, and how we can, you know, sports are supposed to be entertaining. And we really try to take that humor angle and find something funny at what's going on in sports. So Monday, we'll come up with an idea. Uh, I'll look through the ideas. I'll say, all right, let's work on these couple ideas. I'll pitch that to my executive producer. He'll say, all right, these are good. And then uh, I'll work with my team on uh, executing these ideas. And, and we spend the week in pre-production, we usually shoot on a Friday, edit on a Saturday, and it airs on Sunday. And then on Monday, the whole thing starts up again. That's a tight turnaround. Yeah. You know, I think when you look at sports radio, you know, a lot of the best sports radio hosts, they're not just talking about what goes on between the lines and the X's and O's and all that stuff. You've got a fairly long pregame show at Fox on Sundays. And I think, you know, you can't just do 
what's going to happen in the game, who's going to play, what's the point spread, all that kind of stuff. What goes into, and this is kind of a generic question, but what goes into making a good bit that fits for that show? What kind of criteria are you looking at when writers come to you? What do you think works for that lifestyle and that brand? The thing is, you can't get too granular with football detail. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to keep it broad. We have a great research team at our network. You know, I remember something they told us like 10, 12 years ago, which is the average fan can't even name three players on their own team. Wow. That gives great insight into how deep you can get. So you really have to stay big picture. You know, just because something is interesting on social media that gets tweeted out and passed around, you you have to kind of consider the echo chamber that social media can be. Yeah. And that just because you're seeing it everywhere doesn't mean the average Joe fan in Indianapolis, Indiana is seeing that, you know? So you have to stay broad, you have to stay big picture. There are some topics that just get more engagement than other topics. For example, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are always engaging. Whether you love them or you hate them, they're just so popular Sure. that anytime you do a bit on the Cowboys, it's probably, you know, you'll get some kind of engagement on it. Uh, So you kind of got to stay big picture there and you just got to stay relatable. You can't get too X's and O's. You got to just consider not the hardcore football fan. You don't want to exclude people. So you got to make it as relatable as possible and and understandable as possible. Uh, you don't want anyone to have to explain like, oh, he did this. Like you can kind of throw that in there as like a, a side joke, but it can't be like the big piece. It has to be a little more broad. I remember one of my early radio mentors, uh, I made some joke on the air and we were doing an air check and he looked at me, he said, let me ask you a question. Do you think the average person walking into Walmart's going to get that joke? And I said, oh, maybe not. He goes, well, then don't make the joke. He goes, this is a top 40 radio station. We are Walmart, 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 Walmart. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not just I'm not saying that specifically about your gig at Fox, but making sure that it has that broad appeal. 100%. That advice is, is exactly right. We want to get, I'm sure you want to get deeper with some of your humor. Or you want to be a little more nuanced, but you don't want to go there too often. What are some of the more favorite bits that you've been a part of over the years? Any particular ones jump to mind? Oh, man. Well, well this summer we did it. I did a great one with John Hamm where we went to the All-Star game and basically the baseball producers came to me and said, you know, we got John Hamm to do some bid for the All-Star game. You know, we think you'd be great at it. Why don't you think of something? I was like, okay, what do I do with John Hamm? No pressure. And yeah, right. And uh, and so I thought this stupid idea, and I say stupid lovingly, but um, <laughs> in baseball, there seems to be this new trend of teams celebrating with chains in the dugout or some kind of prop in the dugout when someone hits a home run they'll put on a home run chain or they'll ring the bell or the red Sox would you know ride down the laundry cart or whatever and so i I thought we could do something with john ham where we made up a a home run chain for him called the ham slam chain (laughs) we took a giant canned ham and we bedazzled it and we called it ham slam with two m's and then we we went around to different all-stars and we said you know, if you hit a home run, we, we were the home run chain. And we went to like John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts. And, and now it's just a ton of fun. And, you know, leading up to that, I was like super worried that John wouldn't be into it. But uh, he was into it and he, he bought in and it was a ton of fun. And yeah, that was one of my favorite ones recently that we got. So you're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes and you've been on air for some of these bits too, right? Yeah, you know, it's been a while. There was a digital show that I did back in the day in 09 for Fox. And then when that ended, 
the boss of that show is now my boss uh, for the NFL show. And he kind of used me early in the day uh, on air. I realized that uh, I was probably better suited to be behind, even though he was encouraging me to, to be on air more often. Uh, I just decided, you know, I'm just going to stay behind it. And uh, I think I was better suited. It's better for the show. Gotcha. What are some, you know, you mentioned some Syracuse connections you've made getting out to Los Angeles. Are there some folks that you're staying connected with uh, from Z89 that you were classmates with? Yeah. So I'm still in this fantasy baseball league that's been going on for 20 or so years now. It's like Andy Lynch and uh, Bossy's in it and uh, Seth Brody and Raul Subramanian, who is a Z89, and Chris Carlson, and, you know, various names that have come through Z89 have been in this league. Uh, Chris Wojcik, Dave Friedman. Uh, so there's a lot of those guys that every summer will be chatting on the message boards and keeping in touch with them. And Howard Chen, I've seen recently, yeah. Anything specific, Bernie, that Z89 taught you? Any specific lessons you can remember, whether it's a story or just general stuff that has served you well in your career to this point? You know, I kind of touched it on already, but getting to test out comedy uh, on my own for the Z Morning Zoo, it started my path on how to create something entertaining, uh, what kind of what hit, what didn't. I think that was the best value I got out of it was getting to test out my creativity and on air. You know, it wasn't just among friends. It wasn't just in the classroom. It was on air on radio, which is a big deal to me. So I think getting the chance to really start that kind of creativity and find enjoyment out of making people laugh, not even just for the Z Morning Zoo, even, you know, we did an NBA show and, and I was able to do some, some more like offbeat kind of, not just straight up like, Hey, you know, Alan Ivers is the best player in the league. It was like more goofy stuff. So being able to like, you know, make my coworkers laugh was very rewarding. And I think entertaining has always been something that I've always enjoyed, you know, before college. And so really testing it out and taking it to the next level in college, it came very, very evident that that's really where I wanted to go in life. And so I think that helped start my path, really. Do you have any funny moments or stories you remember from your time with the station that don't involve poop parody songs? <laughs> well, that's a question. I, cheats, what? I, I mean, guarantee 50 episodes of this podcast, I'll never ask that exact same question of anybody else. <laughs> Doing these goofy parody songs were just my favorite. The the Potty Up song was a lot of fun. We did LFO was big, and they were, I don't remember that song, Summer Girls. That was a ridiculous song. Yeah. And we just did it about four guys who were nerds, about guys who just pop zits every night of the summer. They're all kind of gross, I guess. That's where I kind of figured out the line, John. Uh, I figured out where to go, and then I pulled, pulled back from there. <laughs> it's WJPZ. At 50. Hey, it's Jag. You're probably listening to this episode of the podcast because you know the person I'm interviewing. But one of the true joys of this project has been learning the stories of everyone in the WJPZ family. When you're done with this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out an episode with someone you don't know. You never know what you might have in common with your other WJPZ relatives. Looking back at half a century of broadcast excellence. This is WJPZ at 50. One thing I thoroughly enjoy doing when I see Syracuse alum, you know, out in the field is dropping some Rick Wright. Yes. When Fox had the USGA and the US Open golf, we were in Southampton, New York at Shinnecock for the US Open. And there's this big television compound there. NBC had a presence there as well, Golf Channel. And Mike Tirico walked into our production trailer and he was talking to our executive producer and I saw him. And so when he was walking out, I kind of casually walked by him. He doesn't know who I am. 
but I, I, I casually dropped a major market radio and he snapped his head around so fast. <laughs> and we just kind of smiled at each other and I said, hey, how you doing? Bernie came class at O2. And he just smiled and we shook hands and uh, chatted a little bit. And he's like, yeah, that's, I guess that's a secret handshake of Z89 slash Newhouse is dropping some Dr. Ray references. So if you ever see Mike Tirico in a Sunday night football game, do a Rick Wright impression if you want to get his attention. Oh, absolutely. He will snap his head around so fast. And I did that with all, and then Jason Benetti, who is a very talented broadcaster that just started working for Fox. Drop that in front of him, too, and uh, you can't not smile when you start dropping Dr. Wright stories. He's, he's a legend. Bernie, you're working on one of the biggest shows of the biggest sports league out there, working for Fox NFL's coverage. What advice would you have to a student coming out that wants to break into sports slash entertainment, whether it's mistakes to avoid or things to do as they get out of school and start their careers? What advice would you have for them? I would say, one, use Syracuse, use Z89, as your way in. Cold email people, if you're on LinkedIn and you see someone that's a Syracuse grad and, and it's somewhere you want to work or, or someone you want to get advice from, just cold email them. See what happens. Just say, yeah, short message, hey, I'm a, I'm a Syracuse grad or I'm a Syracuse senior about to enter the workforce. If you have five minutes, I would love some of your time to, to just chat and, and get some advice. You'd be very surprised at how good people are with their time. If you see a WJPZ, you know, alum, that goes even further, you know, any kind of connections you can build. You know, when we were coming out of school, there wasn't LinkedIn, there wasn't Twitter, there wasn't yeah. Facebook or whatever. You know, what do we have? For me, it was the NACAN directory. Yeah. It was the Syracuse alumni page, the Syracuse alumni directory that you'd have to just kind of search through. And that worked out very well for me. Now there's so many more resources out there, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, that people have already hit me up on to connect with. I've chatted with, I've, I've tried to connect them when I can with other people. But for sure, reach out, start building your network. And that starts with the place you went to school. I think that's a very easy in. I think even with people that didn't go to Syracuse, I've, I've just reached out to people on air, off air, trying to get their time. So just reach out to people. They can connect you to people. People are willing to pay it forward. They want to pay it forward. So that's the first bit of advice I would give to anyone trying to enter the industry. If you're still in school, especially somewhere like Syracuse where there's big time sports, Anytime a network comes in to do a broadcast, they're going to need like a runner. Yeah. Which is just the, the easiest entry in. It's a freelance job. You'll get paid to do whatever the production needs. It's a great way in. It's a great way. I think ESPN was just there. You know, anytime a network comes in, they're going to need what's called a runner to just be a gopher and just do whatever you need. Try to contact people, make your way in there. You know, there's nothing better than on your resume than, than paid work. A lot of people in Newhouse uh, or Syracuse in general, they want to be on air. Yeah, And uh, it's never bad to do behind the scenes. So we have a lot of play at Syracuse people actually that have come to be production assistants at Fox Sports. And then, you know, they've just stayed and made their way up the ladder. But some people leave to do on-air stuff. And that's totally fine. If Just because you want to do on-air doesn't mean you have to do it year one right out of college. Getting experience behind the scenes will help you a ton. There's no set path once you get into the workforce. Uh, everyone's path is different. And, and there's no, like, just because you did this, you're going to do this. So just know that, especially on air, but definitely in, in the television and broadcasting industry in general, there's ups and downs. I've been laid off from a job. I've been on shows that have been canceled. Mm -hmm. You have to be prepared for the ebbs and flows of job stability in, in this industry because it, it's always changing. Last question for you. So you mentioned different shows that have, you've been on. 
the show that you're working on now, one of the most high-profile shows in sports. Take me behind the scenes there. What's it like, you know, with, with the crew there and the whole cast there? And what's it like being at the top of the mountain, so to speak? Uh, yeah, it's great, man. Um, I'll, I'll just talk about Sundays, really. You know, Sundays, the guys get in their first meeting at 6.30 a.m. Because we're on the West Coast. We're in L.A. Right. And uh, the games for us start at 10 a.m. The guys get in first meeting at 6.30. The rest of their production crew, they're already jamming. We have graphics being built, tapes being made. Everyone else is jamming. The talent gets in at 6.30. We start rehearsals just after 7 a.m. Our first pregame show with Carissa Thompson and Sean Payton and Michael Vick starts at 8 a.m. And then the Terry Strahan, Kurt show starts at 9 a.m. We're live on at 9. And then once the game kicks off at 10, all the talent goes into the, uh, the green room. We call it the avocado room. And we hmm. have all the games up. The key there is, you know, any given Sunday, we'll have three, four, five Fox games to do a halftime for. And so I'm in there. I'm helping the talent formulate ideas for what halftime tape they should do. Analysis for, for the game. For example, you know, this weekend we have like Carolina versus Baltimore. And so that'll get assigned to somebody. Maybe Sean Payton will get assigned that game. And everyone will have the games up and maybe Lamar Jackson will have some great runs or great throws or we'll say, hey, you know, Lamar's doing great deep throws. So we'll put together a tape on that. You know, the analysts, of course, are leading the way on that. And I'll just help kind of supplement their ideas or or maybe if they're struggling to formulate an idea, I'll, I'll toss out some ideas and, and we'll come to a, an agreement on the tape. And then we send that information back to our guys and highlights and they'll start compiling the tapes in the first half so that we when we get to halftime, We'll go through all the highlights and then Kurt will say, all right, Sean, what are you, what are you seeing in this Carolina game? Mm-hmm. And then he'll go into his analysis and we'll put on the tape. So the morning, it's just uh, while the games are on, we're watching the games, we're seeing what we want to talk about. And I'm just making sure that our talent are in the right place to talk about the games, getting the statistics they need. We're highlighting the things that we want to express to the audience and give them a better understanding of the game. So as a football fanatic, it's pretty cool to be in a room with Jimmy Johnson and Michael Strahan and Terry Bradshaw and Sean Payton as we're just watching football hmm. and me with zero football experience outside of flag football. You know, <laughs> I have zero football experience. I didn't play college. Definitely didn't play college. I didn't play high school. Was there flag football at C89? Do we do that? Maybe. Maybe we did some intramural stuff, yeah. but uh, definitely that's not going to... Not going to give any street cred with, uh, with Terry Bradshaw and Michael Strahan and Jimmy Johnson. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Exactly right. But I will say that I've built up enough credibility where we can bounce ideas off each other. And like I said, I'm not beating the cart there at all. I'm not going to try to give any misconception. These guys, Howie Long knows what he wants to talk about, but he'll definitely formulate his ideas, you know, with me. The guys like always want a little advice on like how to craft it and say it right. Um, and so, you know, I'll just help them out doing that. And I got to tell you, as a football fanatic, being in that green room every Sunday is pretty wild. Definitely like a pinch me moment where you're chopping it up. You know, I'm sitting next to Charles Woodson, you know, he's just done the mor- his morning show at eight. And uh, it's just kind of wild. I'm just chopping it up with Charles Woodson. You know, you're a mission guy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a legend. The, the guy's a legend. So it's pretty cool to be in that room and uh, to listen to those guys, the, the best of the best talk about football. It's, it's pretty wild. Any uh, run-ins with any uh, big-time football players you've done segments with or done bits with that come to mind? I try not to get starstruck, but yeah, boy, so many different people have come through. When I first started Best Sam, I remember turning to my right and seeing Emmett Smith and being like, holy crap, there's Emmett Smith. They're like, <laughs> you know, walking next to Tony Dorsett as we walk walking a set. Or I think the only time I felt kind of starstruck was early in my career and, and talking to Deion Sanders on the phone because he was going to be a guest. And I'm like, man, this is, 
it's kind of wild. So like we've just had so many run-ins with different athletes and you kind of try not to let her phase you. But then when I kind of look back at it, I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like we did, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, maybe you can supplement this somehow. But uh, years ago, we used to work with Donovan McNabb. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the day, do you, you remember the Syracuse-Virginia Tech game? We stormed the field when we our freshman year. Yeah, that's right. There was a guy, one of our classmates named Adam Levinson. And he was like, oh, yeah, I saw you on TV. I'm like, what are you talking about? And uh, he showed me a tape where I'm running behind uh, McNabb, totally like blew right by him, didn't pay him any attention. And so when McNabb was working for us, I was like, I'm going to make up for this. I'm going to get my own little like redemption here. <laughs> so I made, a, I made a video where I showed the moment where I run right by him and, not, and don't say anything to him. And then I did this video where I run by him again, and this time I acknowledge him, and that was it. It's, it's super goofy, but that was my favorite. Again, as a Syracuse guy getting to... Uh, recreate a moment with Donovan McNabb, who was like, you know, as you remember in 98, coming in as a freshman, yeah. that guy was an icon. Is that online somewhere? If, if you have a link to that, I can put that in the show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll fire you off a link to that. So here you are now on Sundays, you're hanging out with the A-list of the A-list of NFL analysts, and you're helping them craft content. And in some ways, it goes right back to some of the skill set that you learned at WJPZ some 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, like doing those sports stuff and doing sports shows and you have to formulate ideas and they have to be strong ideas, you know? That was my first experience in crafting ideas and, and making sure you're you're not giving fluff. You know, you never want to give fluff. You just want to give efficient takes, you know what I mean? And uh, definitely, that was my first experience was for sure doing those shows on, on the sports shows. Bernie Kim from the class of 2002, working on Fox NFL Sunday and so many other things. Great to reconnect and thanks for taking some time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, John. This is awesome. The WJPZ at 50 podcast is created entirely by the staff and alumni of the world's greatest media classroom. It's hosted by John Jag Gay, class of 2002. Editing help from James Bames Grundy III, class of 2020. Imaging by Maureen Cooper, class of 1999. And Ed Lacombe, class of 1985. Podcast artwork by Marty Dundix, class of 2001. Follow WJPZ at 50 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now. 